0: The Museum of South Texas History preserves and presents the borderline heritage of South Texas and Northeastern Mexico by telling the stories from the Rio Grande. Welcome to Stories from the Rio Grande. I'm your host, Pamela Morales, the communications officer for the Museum of South Texas History. It's the final episode of Season 2. It's been so great to get to know the sons and daughters of local politicians. Their stories shape the region and leave a legacy that future generations can enjoy. In this final episode, I spoke with Eddie Lucio III, a Texas State Representative. He lives and works in Brownsville, and his dad is Texas State Senator Eddie Lucio Jr. You'll get to hear the memories and the dynamics of their father and son relationship. Hello, I'm Pamela Morales. I'm the communications officer for the Museum of South Texas History, and I'm here in Brownsville with a local state rep and also lawyer in the Valley, and I'm going to have him introduce himself.
1: It's a pleasure to join you today. My name is Eddie Lucia III. I'm a state representative. I've served the Texas legislature since 2007, and uh, like mentioned, I'm an attorney and an entrepreneur.
0: One of the reasons why I felt that it would be a great time to interview you is because both you and your father are actually involved in politics, Valley politics, particularly in the Brownsville area. So could you sort of give a background of of that, of how you all became, you know, a political family?
1: So my dad is state, rep- state senator, excuse me, Eddie Lucio, Jr., he first got elected to the Texas legislature in 1986. Before that, he had served as a county commissioner and county treasurer. He was the one that really kicked off the politics road or, 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 or uh, what, what we do now in our family. He comes from a big family, one of 10. My grandfather was a deputy sheriff for a long time. And so my dad visited him at the county courthouse growing up and... Just some people are born with that desire to serve, that uh, fondness, intrigue of the political process, and that was my dad. He, he he really loved the excitement around policymaking and politics, and from an early age, uh, declared to his family that he was going gr- to grow up and run for office. You know, my dad has served a long time. My whole childhood filled with memories of being on the campaign trail with dad and. Uh, Meeting a lot of folks, and interestingly enough, back then I wasn't interested in politics at all.
0: One of the things that Lita Leo, the one of the first that we that we spoke with, she mentioned that at eight years old, she remembers being exploited on the (laughs) campaign trail. Was that something similar that happened to you as well? You know, not so
1: much on the campaign trail, but I remember I was just being a kid. I was in elementary school, and. I talked a lot. Imagine that, right? <laughs> I talked a lot. I was just uh, an active, full of energy little kid. And the teacher says, Lucio, settle down. You should know better given who your dad is. And I thought that was a little harsh. At the, at the time, I appreciated that you know my dad was, did something different that, that most dads didn't do, I guess. But that I was being held to a different standard because of him uh, was a reality check I had at a young age. and then the pressures only grew more from there as I became you know a teenager and so on and so forth.
0: And what sort of pressures did, did you really encounter?
1: You know at a young age, I knew I had friends who act up, got in trouble, you know got sent to the principal's office, some, some more serious, and I knew I couldn't be part of that because it wasn't just about getting in trouble myself, but putting my dad's career at stake or my family's ability to maintain the goodwill of the public at stake. And for a 13 year old who's just trying to find himself, that's tough. And it's funny because now that I'm in politics, I haven't really thought of that in some time. And and now that my kids are 10 and six and my daughter's entering that stage in her life, it made me aware that I, I gotta talk to them and be careful about you know those, those perceived pressures that kids feel when they grow up in this environment,
0: was there ever a time when you were a teenager where you're just like, I just can't stand this anymore?
1: <laughs> Politics can take its toll on families, and I feel like I handle it better at home, but that's because I had experience growing up around it. I learned the good things that he did. and the things that my mom and dad struggled with and impacted their relationships, so I try to do it better. That should be the case no matter the context, business, education. If you grow up around your parents that did what you are now doing, you learn and hopefully do it better. But yeah, there were times that I read things in the newspaper about my dad that I knew were an exaggeration or just flat out not true it was the early stage of blogging and it was done (laughs) via print, but it was blogs at a very early stage and and just unharnished, unleashed horrible conversations, uh, accusations. And so as a, as a kid that takes its toll and you think the whole world's looking at you when they're really not, everybody's dealing with their own stuff, but that's how you feel. And so there's a little bit of that, but on the flip side, Every day, it seemed like, when I was with my dad or even by myself and people recognized me and who my dad was or my mom, they would they would express how appreciative they were of all the things my dad did for the community and the man he was and the help he provided. My dad rushed to help people. If they got sick and they needed to get treatment for cancer, he rushed to help. If they had trouble paying their light bill he rushed to help, whatever it was, when I finally started to realize that, it changed my feelings about politics.
0: On that topic, is there anything particular that growing up you thought, not that not to say that your dad is wrong, he's a bad person, but was, is there like any particular policy or political thing or, or moral value that at the time, You felt, I mean, it could go both ways where you felt, oh, he's, he was right all along. And now that you're older, you're just like, actually, he's kind of wrong.
1: (laughs) I'm experiencing this now with my kids. You want to ingrain in your children that they have beliefs like yours and that they like the things you like, but everybody's their own person, right? Especially kids. And the more you push kids to do things you want them to do, the more they're not going to want to do it. My dad and I have have had a competitive relationship as far as I can remember. We're both golfers. He raised me in playing golf, and I always wanted to beat him, and he never wanted me to win, (laughs) and we never took it easy on one another. We almost purposefully would root for different sports teams. It was that type of competitive environment. He appreciated that I liked certain things that he didn't like or that I rooted for teams he didn't like. And when we got into politics, people thought we were going to be very – hard on one another when we had different political stances but I'll tell you for as close as as my family is we've been really respectful about it you know we have very different opinions on some very tough issues that are close to the community and sometimes I think well I have it right and everybody back home thinks the way I do and then I get back home and they're like we really appreciated your dad taking that stance and vice versa we learn from one another someone's been politically viable as long as my dad has he has a lot to share and someone who's grown up in a different generation like i have and has a different perspective also has a lot to share so if we're doing what's intended and communicating openly we can learn a lot from one another
0: yeah i think one of the in the media there was that big issue on the abortion you know a lot of people were because your dad identifies as a democrat And so the issue is abortion. Of course, he's a pro-life. And then you, you know, there was like, oh, yeah, Yeah. you're Mm pro-choice. And so that kind of became a a hot topic for a while.
1: Uh, That is a hot topic. It's a tough issue. And, you know, when you sit down with people and you take the, and it's almost impossible, but if you try to just at least limit the emotions involved and just have a very straightforward conversation, you know, everybody wants to do the right thing. A woman chooses to terminate her pregnancy. At least anyone I've ever come across that's had to make that decision, has made that decision, they made it but sincerely. They thought about what they were doing. And then, you know, the people who, like my dad, believe the way they believe it it comes from I hope at least and I know my dad, but the rest I hope also that it comes from a sincere place. So I try not to push him on it. You know, he has a right to be independent. I have the right to be independent. One of the things my first campaign that my opponents campaigned on was that I was just going to be an extension of my father. And I, I guess they didn't know me very well. I'm a very outspoken, very independent thinking person. And I'm raising my kids to be the same way. It's one of those things. You, and look, we're at a time where we lack tolerance and patience and love in our country. It's a scary time. I thought, you know, when I was in my early 20s that when I'm 40, things are going to be so much better in terms of how we treat one another. But it seems to have gotten worse. And especially on those big issues, we really have to be tolerant and empathetic with each other about how we feel on those important issues.
0: What sort of legacy do you want people to know about your family?
1: If we left our community, if we contributed in a meaningful way to our community, if we spent the time that we were afforded well and we were inclusive and respectful of the people we work with, you know, it's such a hard thing to define, but if we were statesmen, I I think that that would be great if, You know, I treat people well, people knew that. I gave everybody an opportunity to say their piece. I took into consideration everyone's opinion and ultimately maintain good working relationships with the people who frequent our office. That would be great. You know, the world's gonna go on. Uh, There's gonna be great people to serve after us. And, you know, we just were happy that during our time, we did it well. There's some great things that dad's done. He's been the leader of promoting medical education in South Texas since I was a little boy. I remember the RAC being his call to action. The RAC turned into the medical school. And that's going to be around for a very long time. And when I'm an old man and I'm no longer in politics and I drive by the infrastructure built by UTRGV for medical education, I'll take a little pride that we both, and I you know, have worked on it as well, had a hand in that economic development, all, all things happening. It, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to think about and put in perspective the, the, the things we get to work on that are of impact to South Texas.
0: So it's your parents, yourself, any siblings?
1: I have a sister who's kind of uh, in the background when it comes, or, or not in the background, but she's definitely more quiet about her politics. She's an amazing mother, an amazing sister. She's a public school counselor. Actually, at my kid's school, you know, it's the glue that keeps our family together. The one that checks on them, on all of us the most, and you know, we need someone like that in our family. I'm the one that kind of became political, a public figure, you know, invested in business, went to law school, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have the support of my sister.
0: Well, has this ever happened to you where people say, oh, well, he got elected and all these things are happening because of his dad, sort of that privilege?
1: Absolutely. And they're right to some extent. I came down here 26 years old and I had name ID. That's an amazing opportunity, right? I don't deny that. I don't deny that my father's goodwill gave me a, a leg up to come back and immediately Uh, participate in the political process it would be a dishonor to say anything otherwise the only thing i committed to and I hope I fulfilled is that I was going to take full advantage of that opportunity and do good be respectful and, and be grateful and help people I hope that one day my kids will say I owe success because of all the great things my mom and dad did for me that's what family's for why else do it I hope that I've stu- stood my own two feet, and I've done, I've done everything I can to honor the blessings in my life. And they were many. You know, you know, I, didn't, I never went without, I never went without. So many people can't say that. You know, my dad paid for college, they helped with law school, minimized my debt coming out of school. They made sure I not only got into college, but had everything I need to succeed. And then when I came home, and wanted to get into politics, my dad worked hard to get me elected, just like I'm working hard to get him reelected now. We've done a lot of good things on our own and we've taken advantage of it. There's so many people that I know that grew up with all the opportunities in the world, all the potential in the world and did not take advantage of it and, and squandered it. So for the upside of having all of that, it's a tremendous amount of pressure right? It's a tremendous amount of pressure. If I fail, like, wow, that's, that's an even bigger disappointment, right? Because I had, it was mine to lose. So I honor that. I'm grateful. My mom, you know, my, I say, dad, 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 my mom's an amazing woman. Dad was busy, you know, frankly, so busy that we didn't really have a, a daily relationship until I was 11, 12 years old. And it was time to you know, make me a man, I guess, you know? So my mom was the one to make sure I did my homework. I was an A student. I behaved in school. I was hanging out with the right people. I ate right. I, All those good things. I owe a tremendous amount to my mother.
0: Has your family been in Brownsville for...
1: Yes. Like so I, I'm blessed to have an aunt who is a historian. <laughs> and she's traced us back quite some time. But we've been in Brownsville a long time.
0: Yes, ma'am. Do you think that your family has in some way and is still shaping the Brownsville community?
1: You know, that's a bold statement for me to sit here and say that, you know, we we've had a a big hand in making Brownsville what it is today that that, you know, we're just a small part of it. There's so many families out there, so many folks behind the scenes, businessmen who on a daily basis write checks to charity, support our school district, make sure kids can afford college. There's so many unsung heroes, we're just part of it. And if you're gonna get involved in politics and you're gonna fill a seat, just do the best you can. We are not, but in a very tiny way, responsible for where Brownsville is today. All around me, within several blocks of where we sit today, there are people doing God's work. They're teaching kids to to read, they're providing services for the indigent, they're encouraging kids to go to college. We we sit within walking distance of TSC, who's uh, because of great entities like that, are giving kids the skills they need to to live a good quality of life. So I, I don't want to say that we in you know had more than our just very humble share in making Brownsville what it is today. And Brownsville's great, but um, our districts expand a little bit beyond Brownsville. You know, I represent Harlingen and San Benito, and those communities are amazing. And they have great leaders and great families who could tell stories as well. Dad's district goes all the way to McAllen and Kingsville, and he's had a a relationship with those communities for some time now.
0: The museum has been around for fifty years now, and one of the things that we love to emphasize is the importance of family. Um, So, how how would you want people besides the legacy, to remember and sort of be inspired by the family dynamic that you have?
1: By my family dynamic? You know, my dad's a part of a big family and of, of that group, every one of the little silos, the brothers and sisters have maybe a little different philosophy, but we, we were all Taught all my cousins, and I have over 40 just on my dad's side alone. Right, we were all taught uh, that education was important, that doing the best we could was important, that contributing back. I have an uncle who you know is involved in Special Olympics, the church. Um, He's walks across you know many times a week to help with the children and the refugee situation just south of, of our border. Um, I, I learned from him. and inspired by him. I had other uncles that, you know, loved music and, and taught music and inspired people to, to express themselves in that way. But it was we had love. We had each other's back. We were tight knit growing up. My cousins and I were very close. They were like siblings. Um, and we always encouraged each other. We always supported one another. You know, I have cousins that I may not talk to for a year, and then as soon as I'm in need, maybe it's a political race, maybe it's a business that I'm opening, they're there, uh, and that's beautiful. You know, sometimes I think that that's, might be getting lost a little bit. That sense of we're blood, we got each other's back. Am I not? I mean, I just think in our community it might be getting lost a little bit, and as I get older, it becomes more important to me, right? I want to. You know, right now, next door to me is my cousin who practices law, and I wanted to bring him under this roof because he's blood. I got his back. And we, you know, my parents did never wanted me to fall short of my potential. They never said I was special. They, if I brought home, that, that you know, that's a double-edged sword, but if I brought home a 95, my dad's like, hmm, why is this not a 96? Got any accolades, they let me celebrate it for a blink of an eye and then said, all right, what else are you gonna do you know that drive that hard work that that was something that that I hope people see
0: your dad started in 86 what is, does he do anything else other than, than...
1: He's had a marketing firm, he's done business development, Survivor. You know, He's a teacher by education, taught, coached at twice, two different phases of his life. Once before he started politics and once when he was out of office for a little bit, that was when I was really young. He's always found a way to just make ends meet, you know, do, do, do what he can to be of value to the people he works with and do the right thing and make ends meet.
0: Uh, he coached uh... he
1: coached so my dad still thinks he can coach he looks at the tv and tells the coaches on at UT and Dallas Cowboys what they're doing wrong <laughs> it's kind of funny but he coached uh, football track basketball Falk Middle School and at Porter
0: is there any misconceptions about your family or your dad in particular
1: uh, I don't know maybe you know, usually the misconceptions are that people have taken no time to get to know us. I, I remember a couple of years back. <laughs> the thing that I think kind of bothers just me personally, right, is, you know, the thought of, well, he's had it easy, you know? Eddie's had it easy. And maybe I have compared to lots and lots of people around the world, right? But, you know, what what you, you have to realize that, uh, everyone struggles, right? Meeting the expectation in my household was stressful as a young man because it was never enough, right? Uh, and that's just within the four walls of my household. And I, the expectations I now define for myself are rough. So when, when I meet someone and, you know, there's a, there's a thought that, oh, well, you've had it easy, everything's easy for you, man, it's hard. It's hard to serve an serve office. It's hard to serve in office, maintain a business, and maintain a family, and fundraise for your campaign, and grow your business, and still be a good dad. So you know the 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 fact is, the life we've chosen is a hard one. And I'm not asking for sympathy. I, I hear some people talk about what a sacrifice it is to serve in office. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't want that sympathy. But I, I want people to at least just appreciate that. You know if you're thinking about running for office or you have a perception about politicians most of us it is a hard life we've chosen it's hard on our families it's hard on our businesses we live in the public eye every you know you go to starbucks and you're grumpy yeah. and there's people watching you know it, it's a hard life so maybe the, the misperception i think the one thing i want people to understand is the realities of serving in office it's Tremendous blessing, but at the same time, extremely challenging.
0: You mentioned your dad's going to run again. Do you think he's still going to keep going?
1: My dad's 73. He still has fire. I like that, you know? Um, I hope that I'm still setting goals at 73 and that I have his energy and his abilities. I I don't want to, you know, limit that. People tell me, you know, when are you going to run? I said, I'm 40. Uh, I may or may not have more time, but I I want dad to retire on his own terms without any pressure from me. If at that time I talk to my wife and my children and my businesses are in a place where they need to be and it's time to run, it's time to run. But when I, I mentioned it to dad, I said, just FYI, I'm 40. I'm ready to run for the Senate but only when you're ready to retire and he told me i'm not ready to retire so i said all right let's go get reelected." i will tell you if i felt like my father didn't have the abilities to do what needs to get done for the benefit of the people that he represents i would make sure he didn't run but i don't believe that i believe he can do it at the highest level
0: wow 73 (laughs) so is there anything else you'd like to add especially about your dad, what you want people to know specifically? maybe. A-
1: I hope this comes through, but th- I've never met a man who cares more about the sanctity of life. And we talked about the abortion issue. That's only a fraction of it. So I, I love that my dad's consistent when it comes to the sanctity of life. From the moment they're born until they die, they should be given every opportunity to succeed all the respect, all the human dignity. They should be fed, they should be educated, they should be supported, they should be loved. He really believes that. That's why he's involved in the church. He loves the principles of the church. You know, my dad uh, would have a universal feeding program so that every child didn't have to worry about their next meal. Um, He doesn't believe in the death penalty because of the sanctity of life, right? The, The complications with the people that commit those heinous crimes are they even in their right mind to a, to appreciate what we're doing? So I love that my dad's consistent. He gets knocked on some of those social issues, and you know even I get frustrated with him from time to time. But he's learning even at seventy three, and he's trying to find middle ground. It doesn't come from any from judgment or hate. It's just a different perspective and. If, if people were to approach him with an understanding of that, like I try to, you have much more of an impact to win his love and support.
0: On the way over here, I saw that your the highway was named after your dad. Yeah. So that's one of many things named after your dad?
1: Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's neat, right? My kids are like, hey, there's grandpa's road now. He has a junior high named after him in Brownsville, a building at TSTC in Harlingen, uh, I'm sure there's a few things I'm forgetting. That aside, I want to commend you on what you're doing. This is great. You know, I actually did a podcast. I had about six or seven episodes, and it's a lot of fun. And if it in- even impacts just a few people or inspires them to go out and get involved themselves, you- you've made a difference. So this is awesome.
0: Great. Well, thank you. You know, the Museum of South Texas History is in Edinburgh, and people think it's the Edinburgh Museum, but really, it's it's the the whole valley. Awesome! So um, right. it's great that you know I came out here and had the opportunity to interview you.
1: Well, we we support you. Let us know what we can do.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. that is a wrap for season two. If you haven't heard, the Museum of South Texas History is celebrating 50 years in 2020. It's here and we're ready to talk about all things golden, so stay tuned to Stories from the Rio Grande. Season three will feature the stories and memories of the Rio Grande Valley's premier museum. Until next time! This episode was produced and edited by me, Pamela Morales. Song is Carpe Diem by Kevin McLeod. licensed under Creative Commons. Follow us on Anchor to hear more about stories from the Rio Grande and send your questions through the Anchor app. You can also subscribe to this podcast through the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Most History, Stories from the Rio Grande.